0: My name is Nick Borelli, uh,
1: I am uh, with All Seated, and with me is Will Kern from Endless Events. And excited to be hanging out with you, Nick. Uh, our two other co-hosts, Dustin and Tui, are out on assignment. I don't, I, I don't know. I honestly,
0: actually I actually think that the reason that they're not here, believe it or not, is the fact that events are coming back.
1: Ooh, again, uh, I mean, both
0: both of them. No, seriously, I mean, both of them are working on on things uh, client oriented events. So, that's um, uh, true. I will. I will always give people the benefit of the doubt and always be understanding when it's uh, when their excuse is I'm working for clients. I'm working on an event. Fair yeah, enough. You that's true. That's true. You, that's you true. win.
1: <laughs> but if I'm like I'm out watching Mortal Kombat right now, then you I get, watch that Friday. You get some crap talk.
0: <laughs> I watched I watched that day of. How about well, you? Uh, day oh, you, of, you yeah. probably went to see it at, a, uh, at a theater. So, with,
1: so okay, so this is totally off topic, but yeah, we almost <laughs> went to a theater to go watch it. So I haven't been to a theater since Tenet. Um, and we were sitting at my, my, my place on Thursday and we're like, Hey, let's watch. Okay. More comments. gonna come, Cause all the movies been coming out on Thursdays, you know? So we're like, we're there. We hit it. We're like, where is it? It's not on HBO. We can't find it anywhere. We're like, what the heck? I look it up. I'm like, midnight. And I, I'm like, oh, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, let's go see it in a the theater then. Like we could do that now. We're vaccinated, you know? And we, uh, we, we look it up. I literally look at times. I literally am about to buy a ticket and then I realize it doesn't come out until Friday. So we just end up watching it on Friday at my buddy Auggie's place.
0: Huh. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I don't, I'm not, we don't really need to get too much into our deep feelings about the, the film Mortal Kombat, but uh, <laughs> I generally, I, I felt like my review of it would be, uh, it delivered on its promise.
1: It it did, for sure, for sure. I'm, <laughs> I'm a big Mortal Kombat fan, too, so. L- low bar, hit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Literally, Literally hit. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, so, like, everything's, you know, like, I don't know, I just feel like this is, the last couple weeks I've been feeling like these are the weeks where we're at the really at the beginning of positive momentum where every time i look at something it's positive i go on linkedin i see pictures of people at events uh i see uh hopeful signs i see lots of things uh really uh maybe even i don't know either optimistically uh aligned or at the very least maybe less turmoil and uh after last year we need you know we need any win we can get and i really feel like last year one of the weirdest parts of it was every time i blinked somebody i knew was at a different job you know somebody i knew they were at this totally different place uh and people that i knew that worked at the same companies for decades you know like they reinvented themselves and uh that's what's interesting i mean you got to do what you got to do right and uh i think that that's what disruption like we talk about it oftentimes in the way of like just positivity and just, um, you know, it's, uh, it's effects of uh, so almost like Darwinian. Like, you know, you you get mm-hmm. better, you uh, evolve. Of it. Yeah, but in the middle of it's pain, right? And like the, there's there was – obviously there was a lot of that that we saw uh, in our industry, people we know. And, uh, I mean, if you look at like this – uh, podcast, like 50% of us took on new jobs, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, that's pretty, you know, I bet you that's not, I mean, that might be an extreme, uh, you know, sample, but, um, of four, <laughs> but, uh, it, it's, it sure did feel like that when I went to that section on LinkedIn where it says like, you know, uh, congratulations to the new job. It was like, oh my gosh, I can't,
1: it was like every day there's something new on the, on there for sure.
0: Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, we're going to get into, I guess, today, um, one of those trends that we saw that we were talking about a little bit before. uh, But what's uh, what's fueling us to get through this conversation and and later in the day on a Monday?
1: Yeah. So I ran out of oat milk because uh, Oatly is like on high demand since Starbucks bought them uh, or Hmm. is uh, now has a contract with them. So I'm drinking honest honey green tea. So um, is it insider
0: it, trading if I were to invest in uh, oat now because I got the tip from you?
1: Well, I, I'm de- they're about, to, really go IP, the they're oat about oat to go IPO, and I'm just saying like, I can financial advice right now. Yeah, and yeah. I should not, sure. especially because I don't like trade individual stocks very often. But I'm definitely going to be buying some oatly stock for sure because I'm like Starbucks just bought them. They're like blown up. Like I'm buying cases of them. I just bought $100 worth of oat milk because I have to <laughs> buy bulk because it's the only place you can get it. You know, like what the hell? So, anyways, but yeah, I'm. Uh, next week, I'll be back to my normal chai lattes. Um, and ho- I mean, I hope as long as my oat milk comes in. But now, just some bottled green tea. What about you? What do you What do you got in your your can today?
0: Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not buying oat milk in bulk uh, like you are. Um, well, it's better
1: than the three <laughs> gallons of whole milk <laughs> I was drinking at the beginning of the yeah. pandemic,
0: right? Honestly, yeah, that was uh, that was probably the <laughs> the peak of like we're worried about you, Will, because of the <laughs> pandemic was. Did you get some kind of tip where you were like, if you drink three gallons of milk a day, uh, you won't get COVID? And so, I I never got COVID. Apparently, (laughs) hey, anecdotally, (laughs) anecdotal evidence. uh, Therefore, uh, correlation equals causation. Exactly. That much milk, you won't get COVID. Uh, I haven't got COVID, and I drink Mountain Dew Rise uh, as I am right now, which is uh, wait, what's Mountain Dew Rise? Four hundredth uh, variation. I mean, do you, does anyone have any idea how many variations of Mountain Dew exist in the world right now? I, it's oh, like no idea. I know they don't make more.
1: AMP anymore, though, so that's the sad part. Well, they don't make AMP anymore because but now they make, they make Rise. Wait, it, it's an energy drink.
0: Yeah, it boost. is. It's uh, it's got a mental boost in it, which you know, I mean, uh, if it does or doesn't, I need, need all the all help can I can get. get. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure, for sure. <laughs> Uh, so this is a pineapple and other natural flavors. And I'm sure there's like seven asterisks is next to the word natural. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's it it, uh, it it the flavor is tropical sunrise. Um, Does and, it taste uh, like Mountain Dew? you know, it, it tastes like pineapple Mountain Dew. Yeah. Caffeine Ew. is equal to approximately two cups of coffee. Uh, and that is. Uh, yeah, that's uh, wow. you know, that's more than I can drink with one hand normally. So I'm into it.
1: Quick question for you. I yep. never asked you this question. Are you a fan of Baja Blast?
0: I do. I do like Baja ba- Blast. Have you ever talked yeah. about
1: Baja Blast before on this show?
0: I don't I don't know if I have.
1: I'm curious to know from the audience, shoot us an email eventbrew at hellounless.com if you're a fan of Baja Blast, but did you know Did you know you can make Baja Blast on your own?
0: Uh, I did not. You don't have to go to Taco Bell
1: for this? You don't have to go to Taco Bell to get it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's half Powerade and half Mountain Dew.
0: Oh, well, um, that seems like something that was made in a prison toilet, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's... Uh, <laughs> Let's give it a whirl sometime when I have my safety goggles and uh, <laughs> a stir stick, I guess. Uh, hmm. well, what are you of- doing, uh, if my if my wife? What are you doing to me? Oh, I'm just mixing Powerade and Mountain Dew. Oh, great. Uh, we Make should sure probably see other and stuff people. Too. Yeah, yeah. You've definitely gone too far. Um, so, anyways, uh, I'll, speaking all of gone up. too far, yeah, gone too far. Uh, so, yeah, what we're talking today is like one of the trends that we've seen in in some of this uh, shakeups and migrations. Uh, Within the live events industry, Uh, the one that I haven't seen um, that I really am super curious about that I'm saying to the world, if you can tell me, I really want to know where the young professionals may have gone. Um, And maybe they didn't, but I think they may have. Uh, But some of the more veteran industry people, uh, one of the migrations that I saw pretty, pretty frequently uh, was going from someone who was uh, working exclusively on live events to uh, being employed by an event technology company, I'll give you an example, me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like, I also give you an example, like when I uh, I did a lot of work with Experian over the years, and like I can I can name like a half dozen or more people that made that move too. And um, you weren't seeing that as much before that. You were seeing people coming from the uniquely tech tech space, uh, mm-hmm. coming into the event space and using very traditional technology, uh, let's say sales and marketing tactics at the very least, uh, maybe some other tactics too. And I always thought there was a little bit of friction there as far as like the aggressiveness in the sales and uh, in some of the um, terminology not quite being the same and, and and just the relationship maybe a little bit not so collaborative uh, certainly amongst each other in the tech space. So like I've always seen these kind of this divide, uh, between the kind of technology companies that were um, made up of technology people, and then every once in a while I would see an event technology company that was kind of started by someone from the events industry, and they they always seemed different, you know. Like I, I'm sure you have a couple examples of those. Well, that you've dealt with of people. I want to say Showflow is an example of that. Yeah. Um, where like they're they were like they had experience in the live events industry, and then like their offering was. I think a little bit more obvious uh, in in the understanding of like how it could immediately impact their user. Um, they didn't need to like really work as hard to clarify it because they got it. You think of any other ones like that?
1: Can't think, think of any, any at this time. Um, keep going through. I think there's yeah, some there's of been a few examples. I mean, like. So- yeah, keep going.
0: Yeah, so like those are other examples of ones where I, like it certainly happened before where like the, the technology company was from and, and founded by someone from the event space. Uh-huh. Uh, but, but moreover, I've seen a lot of veteran people in the events industry, and I think the idea is that the technology companies realized they need to scale very quickly over the next couple of years because it's a very competitive space, yeah. and they don't have time to kind of find their audience or build those bridges, so they're buying the bridges, uh, so to speak. And they're making it part of their company and uh certainly the people that have been in the industry for quite some time not only do they intuitively understand the audience but um they come with the connections built in so like their their ability to create inroads within um groups and associations and uh and other strategic partnerships like they're they're very easy to make uh, because you have their numbers right you can just call them and you don't have to like okay what's the how many points to conversion how do we get this person on the phone it's like well i could just call them you know like and that's the kind of people you know that we are as event people like we know everybody but like i'm not saying like we like we're special like events people we're collaborative period like every yeah. event is collaboration so we all have networks that are stronger i think than maybe technology companies do um, maybe that's a uh, an oversimplification but
1: yeah well it's interesting too that like for the longest time now that these event technology companies over the last year have been historically struggling with the idea of thinking too much like a technology company and i've hear like probably that's the number one complaint is that they don't think like event companies and event people and that they don't so in, in terms of like designing their platforms and things like that but also just like in terms of support and things like that so uh i definitely start to see this like this need that you like and it's funny too and like I'll pile on top of this that you know it's the number one thing I hear too is that people think that only the events industry can understand events too so I understand like the the yeah. both sides of the, the coin right like I'm more of a fan of like disruption and like thinking unlike anybody else but you know this industry just seems like it's full of people who are like the events industry only knows the events industry we're the only one you know uh, when it comes across the board so you know this idea of that people moving from the events industry, typically, you know, I'm using air quotes, over to the event technology side feels like a logical move that's going to ultimately happen a lot. Right.
0: I think so. I think that it's because um, I think some of these walls are breaking down because they have to in a year where all the walls broke down um, and, and, you know, shifted all to one side because that's the only way to survive. Um, it was what it took to break the walls down. Moving forward, I think now what we'll find is connective tissue as um, there is this uh, back and forth of when to use one, when to use the other, how to use them in concert um, that will require uh, what I think is is at, at first, I think it will require um, people who are kind of uh, native speakers in both languages, the language of events, the language of technology, uh, and then moving forward i'm hoping that both languages kind of borrow from each other that they kind of have a similar root language i know i'm really stretching the language metaphor but (laughs) uh, i i really believe that like there's um they didn't have a root language before that like if you think about um the idea of um perfection you know perfection is is a um very much the target when it comes to event planners they want things to happen on time exactly as delivered as but impossible an
1: impossible target. yeah
0: exactly that it is an impossible target where technology i think actually in some instances they can actually have a a a perfection Uh, they can have a product that is you know for more for lack of a better sake works um Mm. but they don't even shoot for that um in fact they they they've Found such success and failure, like yeah, like uh, the failure, failure, yeah, 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 fail fast. You know, pivot, and all those like things that are that are super cliche in the technology uh, world um, are are absolutely you know the enemy when it comes to the events world. I think that's part of it, right? I think that there is something to be said of like, ah, we'll just you know we can fix it on the next time around, Uh, or you know we're just in beta, or uh, you know uh, yeah we'll 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 fix you know the next uh, uh, down the product roadmap we'll have that. Where events are like, no, like it has to be all done now. You have, you have, in fact, we had this thing where I was talking to our sales team early on and they were saying like, look, we have clients and they'll come to us and they'll say, can it do this? And our, and uh, we were like, well, we eventually like we'll we'll actually have that. And they were like, oh, eventually. So like the time of my event, they're like, yeah. And like, but you, you wouldn't have had that for quite some time. And we're like, well, no, we don't have anything for quite some time. It's technology, you know. Like it, it's definitely all new, <laughs> you know. Like it's all, and they want to be like the doctor, where the doctor is like, you know, they, there's two different ways to approach a problem. A doctor, one would say, uh, "Hey, look at my arm," and the doctor says, um, "Yeah, I, uh, I think I can fix that. I'm, I'm going to see if I can find a book that explains that to me, and you know, let's give it a shot." Then you go whoa, and you run away. Or the doctor that's like, "Yeah, I've done a thousand of those. I do this every." Uh, every Tuesday I do 40 of them in a row and I've been doing them for 30 years. And then you go, I want that doctor. And I think that event professionals are generally like that when it comes to technology. Uh, And that's why they think they get hardware, like hardware technology they get, you know, you're like, yeah, this, this light will work. This fixture will work. It will do its job. It will do exactly as planned. Um, It is, uh, it is reliable and uh, you know, whatever. And they go great. And then those kinds of things they're, they're really confident about and they start learning the terminology about it and they start getting investing in it and they count on it and they're they, they like it. And then when it comes to like software or when it comes to anything that's new, they're like, oh, you know, unless it's been battle tested for t- 10 years uh, and, you know, tried out in situations that are much harder than mine. You know, I don't believe in it with enough faith to be able to give you the money. And in technology, like, well, there's nothing like that, like everything, like if it was that new, it would be not use or that old. It wouldn't be useful anymore. Uh, so, like, I, I think that that's another, like, language difference, I think, between uh, when it comes to risk and when it comes to innovation. Like, they're, one is risk-averse, and the other is, is much more excited about innovation first.
1: Well, it's, uh, I, it's interesting that we talk a lot about, like, brain drain within the events industry uh, over, like, the last year. It's, like, our worry mm-hmm. of brain drain and where it's all going. Do we feel like this, like, move for uh, people moving from traditional events – to moving to event technology companies and working at them is a form of brain drain or do you feel like it's still within the industry?
0: Um, It's a great point. Um, I, I mean, I think for the most part, I think it's still within the same industry. Um, In as much as um, like, it it would be like if a bunch of, you know, there was a mass migration or maybe not even mass, but a, a decent migration between event planners to AV, right? You'd be like, Oh, you know, nobody would be like, oh, that's a you know, that's a big deal. It's like no, they just our AV is probably going to get better, you know, and, and mm-hmm. that's a functional aspect that we need to execute live events. Without AV, we can't really have live events. So, you know, more or less. Uh, so therefore, no loss in the event technology space. I think that sometimes event people see event tech as instead of events um, because there's a wall between virtual and and face to face, and one's seen as the enemy. And then, if you move over to what they perceive as people saying, "Don't host your event in face-to-face; host it in a virtual platform." Which, by the way, anyone I know in the in the virtual event space, no one says that. Like, no one is like actively saying like, "Don't host your event live events in uh, you know, like all all anyone is saying, there's another option now. You sh- you should go where it makes more sense, not you know what I mean? Like, there yeah. and now the fact that one is strong. Um, Doesn't necessarily mean that. So the the brain drain part—I mean—I think there is something to be said about um, potentially some organizations losing out on uh, face-to-face planners who were real stars and you know veterans and people who really knew the ins and outs of what to expect. And that type of experience uh, will have a negative effect potentially on them mentoring people within the events industry in order to give them you know like the live maybe more the live side to give them more skills. But I really think that the the event tech side absolutely needs um, the type of uh, insights that from people that have been in live events more. and that will help out everyone more. Like I think there's more um, to do that that benefits everybody when it comes to those two groups having uh, being on the same page because um, if they're on the same page like for instance me, I don't come from strictly technology side. I come from a live events background. It's my, Goal working for on Expo as a virtual events platform in order to do everything it can do in order to make both virtual events and live events as good as they can be. Now, would that position, uh, would that vision be the same if I came exclusively from, from technology? Probably not. You know, I would probably, maybe I would come off and say, "I, I, you know, I don't care about live events. Like they're not interesting to me. They're not valuable, but no, I believe that if we can position, our offering uh, to be one that is complimentary and and assists the lift and uh, is adding value to the live event, um, then um, mission accomplished. And I think that like that kind of stuff, because virtual events aren't going away. I think that we you know, the brain drain. I don't see it as much as that, as I'm as I see kind of a um, uh, what's a good example. This is maybe this is extreme. I was about to go new gods on you with some DC <laughs> comics. Uh that's kind of rooted in a real thing. I don't know if it's Shakespearean or not. You know, when like the the father maybe oh, arra- how about an arranged marriage of kingdoms, right? Where you say, you know, like we're gonna bring these families together. You know, Ugh. this is really I'm I'm giving my analogy the meter analogy is is really hard, really big time today. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, something like that where we you have an exchange and we have people on both sides who um, have an understanding that we want both to succeed. Holistically in concert, um, I think that that is probably closer to actual reality, not just a romanticized version of it, but actual reality. Because I don't know anybody like I have a friend of mine who went over to Glisser and he had been in live events uh, exclusively for the last like almost 30 years. Uh, I had uh, I mean, there's a number of people and like all their background is in live events. All their friends are in live events, all their experience is in live events. They want live events to be great. And one of the ways for live events to be great is for not only virtual events to be a strong option in order for the live events that that are that are happening to be on purpose and and for things that can only be done in live events. Uh, It also opens up the opportunity for like really exciting hybrid possibilities.
1: I definitely I definitely agree on that, too. And I think that like I'm excited for, let's say, a lot of people in moving over to to event technology and then let's say three years from now, they go. You know what? This event technology stuff's not for me. I'm gonna go back to designing or uh, whatever the heck, whatever they they work. I hope so. I'm excited to see that energy and that like knowledge of event technology then get re injected back into the the general events industry because like, um, it's the the article that uh that you sent me that this is kind of like this conversation from uh, North Star that's kind of explaining this kind of. One of the headlines reads tech as the enemy and this idea that like I've always felt like that there's been like event tech versus the events industry like they've always felt like you know like you know how you have like meeting profs as a hashtag and there's event profs and they're like kind of like commingling uh, hashtags but like event tech and hashtag event tech has always felt separate like I knew that, like, that was one reason why we ended up creating the Event Tech podcast, too, is that, like, we were like, we need to create this idea that it's not just an event technology company talking about event tech. It's event professionals talking about event tech. And I've always felt like they've always kind of been at odds with each other. And maybe this will just, like you said, be the the pre arranged marriage that's going to bring everybody closer together um, and have a better understanding of technology. Because I think that's one of the big things, too, people fear, like I- –
0: Yeah. I think there's a lack of empathy on both sides and without empathy, you can't really have, um, a good, uh, collaborative setting. Uh, and I think that like people coming over to, uh, you know, from the traditional live event side, let's say to, uh, uh, tech, I think what will come with that is, is, is empathy. Like one of the first things that I did, like almost the first thing I did, uh, with our company when I came over was created the, um, The buyer personas, and and I really spent the majority of my time really trying to crack um, and explain the emotional pains of everyone, and and that's really again that's the empathy, you know. And I had things in there like they don't want to be seen as a mark, they don't want to be seen as taken advantage of, Um, they don't want to be talked down to. Um, They're really smart, like they know more stuff than you do. They, They they just know. Uh, too many things in fact and like you you know a lot about one thing they know stuff about i mean fire safety and food and and behavioral science and um chairs and i mean it's fire codes it's nuts right like the amount of stuff that's in the, the head of an event planner but they're not given the same kind of Gravitas and in their intelligence sometimes as technology people because they know ones and zeros and UXs and, you know, things like that, right? Where it's just like sounds like you're from a, a nerdy chemistry book. Um, there's just so many things that there's actually no overlapping uh, tissue between the things that event people know. They have to know all of those things. Like there's no... There's no general knowledge that is valuable. It's it's all of these like hyper specific knowledge bases. And um, so like things like that where I'm like, OK, like we, first things first. We have to like if we're if we're going to be different, we have to really understand uh, who people like they, they where they live and where they're at and what their fears are and their fears are like they, they imagine like, OK, it's not OK that this didn't go right at the event. Um, you know, like, let's, we'll get it right the next time. It's, um, when it comes to like a virtual event platform, it's like, okay, to them, it's the equivalent of a live event where the walls came down. You know, if people can't get into the event, it's like the door was locked, right? It's not like there was a a hiccup in the kernels or it's, it's like that level, right? Like it's, it's a barred entry. It's, uh, you know, and they have a lot of, a lot of time writing on a lot of damage control, a lot of brands. Um, these are not these are not light things. And so like what matters more than how many bells and whistles can we add at nauseum? Like at first it's like, can it support, you know, everything it can support, like, will it break? And I know that there's kind of a thing in an event or not event technology in technology in general, if it's good enough, it can ship, you know, and like, that's a concept. And I will tell you that like, that's one of those things that doesn't fly in the events world. Like it's a super small world. Like I, I, I did this speed networking thing on uh, this uh, Twine platform last week, um, which was super cool. And uh, I met like three or four people in three or four different countries. Um, and we all knew some, we, if I didn't know them directly of which I think like 50 to 60% of the people I actually just knew directly. Um, like it was like Jan and like, I forget who, but like it was a bunch of people. If I didn't know them directly, I knew one person they knew really well. And like, Imagine that type of reputation management when you come into an industry um, that you're not used to, you know, you're not knowing how connected people are and how small it actually is. Yeah. Um, Like your reputation is like super important. Like it's very hard to repair. Um, And if you're not, if you're not coming at it from an empathetic standpoint, if you're not coming at it from a point of like, we're all in this together, um, then you don't even get the grace from these people to get another chance. Like you, you came in on your terms. On their turf um, and you thought your thing was cool enough that they had you know if you built it they will come none of that's true they're totally fine with using partially good stuff <laughs> that works <laughs> trust me you know like they'll use a parcan light for 40 years before, you know <laughs> it, it might burn a kid if they like you know touch it but it works right it works. I mean wor- I'm trying to I'm trying to grasp it using AV uh, uh, terminology <laughs> am I am I doing
1: it you're doing okay yeah, I don't know if anyone uses –
0: does anyone use a PARCAN light anymore? I don't
1: think so. I don't think – right. I think it's – I'm an yeah. old person. I guess like LED PAR maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah like
0: I, the films that I used to put on lights don't exist anymore. Is that what you're saying? Uh,
1: some people still – yeah, you still use gels every once in a while.
0: Yeah. Um, they warm – like the warmth that, that I think they give off sometimes in the right atmosphere. Yeah. I can tell. Like like I give my actually, studio
1: lights like – because my studio lights are only daylight temperature, so you got to color correct them every once in a while, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Get a little nerdy. Yeah. All right, sure. we better stop. Otherwise, we're gonna lose the. We're gonna, if we stop talking about nerdy <laughs> stuff, otherwise, we're gonna lose I'm the audience. I'm telling you, so. I,
0: well, I mean, it probably can't lose an audience talking about. Sure. Yeah, the event technology people you've already lost, but like uh, at least we weren't talking about UXs too much. Um, yeah, so I, I think that um, I, I don't know. I, I think that like it's probably one of the of the partners and the collaborator or collaborators within the events industry. It's probably one of the areas that absolutely needs people who have been inside the most Mm -hmm. for us to be better. That's my point of view. It's incredibly biased.
1: Yeah. And I mean, and then let's talk, let's talk like the most pragmatic, like no bullshit thing too, is that like good for all these people too, because like event technology is huge right now. Like, let's be honest. There's two pieces. A, they're getting tons of business, right? So tons of revenues coming in, therefore growing teams growing yep. reputations, but also, too, they're getting tons of funding, too. So, like, you know, someone who maybe have been, you know, a, a meeting planner making $70,000 a year, you know, they can go to an event technology company and be like, I'm a pro in everything events, and I'm your, like, you know, understand of everything, and they can make twice as much because, I mean, like, that's the one interesting thing about, well, I don't know about twice as much, but they'll make a lot more money. You know, um, and I know like Nick's making funny faces at me right now. Uh, but like, I, I have no idea, like how much tech even makes. But like, I think the, the the thing about it, though, is that it's a huge advantage for people to be able to make that decision to go into something new. That's going to get like, you know, uh, it, it's a growth area for the industry in so much ways versus like, you know, I could see a lot of people. Sure, they couldn't. I bet you there's so many people who made this switch that it wasn't because they were furloughed or maybe business. Down, they were just like, look, I'm I want to keep growing i want to just put yeah some, put me in something scary like you know that's like true
0: that. too i mean that's a good point i mean no matter no matter what for the most part most most companies that are that are firmly in the live event space this year next year they're still going to be regrowing it's not a question of like if they're probably more than likely they're they're not going to have uh, any kind of um vision of their organization you know having 2019 numbers anytime soon So um, maybe, again, I'm being broad, you know, certainly I'm sure there's going to be a lot of innovation and smaller teams might have the ability to pivot faster or any of that fun stuff. But lots and lots of organizations are going to be like, all right, we've got a five year plan to get back to where we were in 2019. And for some people, that's a really, you know, that's a very high pressure place to be in when they were already in a higher pressure job and they were already likely in a position where um they're the numbers they felt stuck yeah so like i i I mean i i get it And, and like look if anyone's been like thinking about like from the event side coming over to to uh technology you probably have a lot more to give than you think and your ability to progress your career quickly uh and move up within the ranks of an organization because you have so many uh other skills than you think you do simply because you have a network you, you absolutely know how um, to talk to people. Um, like if you don't have a sales role, you, you probably could impact sales. If you don't have a marketing role, you probably still could be someone who's valuable within the marketing conversations. Like you have a lot to give, uh, even from a visionary standpoint of like, well, this isn't what somebody would want, I mean, it's it's really it's really powerful so like I would say not to like be you know what if someone's thinking that that is like poachy or whatever like I'm just saying in general uh, I think that those people have a lot to give and uh, from the live event side I think that more people that uh, on the technology side that understand your needs all the frustrations you have with the technologies of like if this could only just do that or why don't they understand that really all that matters is this I'm telling you it's because there isn't enough people who have been in your shoes uh, in those places so it will be long term for you and in, in you know squarely in the live event space it's going to be in your best interest for uh, these people to come over and inform them because it's not like there's any kind of like trade secrets it's just simply empathy you know like it, it's mm-hmm. It's just understanding that, like, some of these tactics in this world uh, of other industries don't work with our industry as far as reaching us and the expectations of – I mean, like, look at the – look at Android phones. Like, okay, I'm speaking way out of turn here because I've never had one, but – I've always got the impression that <laughs> this is probably just this is this is definitely All right, let's see, it on. Let's see, yeah, let's see your go. impression
1: on Android phones to so the guy yeah. who's had an Android phone since the beginning. Let's go.
0: Yeah. OK. <laughs> and, and, and you definitely have a, a variation of, of the Apple experience. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My, mine is is that um, you're you, you have an acceptable level of things that could go wrong as long as you get to be able to have um, the newest most powerful things. Is that true?
1: I think that's true for me personally, but I do know there are probably some Android phones that are probably a little bit more safe than the cup phone that folds itself in half, but sure. you know that is ultimately why if if Apple came out with a folding phone and said, it, you know, it had the same reliability that my Samsung Fold had, I'd probably potentially consider switching.
0: Yeah, so like so but you're you're moved and motivated by having Innovation. Yeah, yeah. Like, first to market. Yeah. Well, at the beginning
1: of that diffusion of innovation curve, for sure. Exactly that, I'm in the ditch at the beginning, like, (laughs) crying over that this thing doesn't work, and why did I decide to be an early adopter?
0: It's funny. Like, for me, it's like, I, I don't know where I am in the early adoption part, because for me, I'm like, I... I just I pay attention to all the points in order to know how to deal with everybody in all points of it. Nick's
1: um, <laughs> like I don't I don't I don't live in time. I simultaneously I exist across time. all timelines. Yes. <laughs> I,
0: I adopted before it it came to be and after it ceased to be. Um, but you're like, yeah,
1: you're everywhere on the diffusion of innovation curve at all given moments. I
0: mean, as a, as a consumer, I think I'm more likely on the on the downslope because like for me, um, I used to be on the other side of it. So I used to have, I used to build my own computers. I used to overclock. I had, you know, fans. I had uh, 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 kind of a variation of Linux. I had our Unix server. Oh, that was like a 99 to 2003, four or five. I had, I had all that stuff going on with wires going on my ceiling, you know, stapled. <laughs> And uh, and now I use Mac everything and I just want it to do the thing it's supposed to do. And I don't care how it does it. And I don't care if I have limited options like it. Just I just want consistency. I have 40 or 50 browser windows open uh, <laughs> and I never turn my computer off, you know, and like that's my expectation. know, um, I have like four screens and like that. That's all I care about. Right. So like just just give me like consistency and reliability um, yeah. and, and just be a workhorse. Um, and I don't care if you can't do the coolest thing, you know, like, and, and that's, I guess what I'm saying is, is that in the live events world, more, more people are on my side of it. Um, in, in than, uh, on Will's side of like the, of, the of that persona style uh, where he's more akin to the majority of tech people who are, mm-hmm. who are like, I want it. like, there's a little bit of risk, but I'm willing to take it because it's going to be cool. And it's going to be you know whatever and like people I think that the only people that really are probably the, the smartest uh, people in the events industry that kind of walk the line of both uh, are uh, the audiovisual companies who oftentimes have to read into their clients to determine where on the spectrum because uh, I'm making a generalization and saying like all of them are in this camp and all of them are in that camp. That's actually not true. Um, and audiovisual companies generally are the ones who actually interview their clients well enough to understand where their specific clients are on that that more nuanced spectrum, because like you'll have some people you're like yeah we can do all that crazy stuff, it's not a hundred percent you know reliable, and you have to know that and you have to you know, have to understand that, and like I've always felt like no matter how often you say that there's really no <laughs> truly getting that, but um, anyways I, I just think that there is that that's kind of like the midway point, right? So like if I'm if i've been on one side and now i've gone over to this other side uh i think that like maybe the next phase of it would be you know uh, to like broker the piece or to speak from the same language w- would be to bring in the audiovisual people into maybe more of the design parts of the uh the software uh and um and perhaps maybe to convey uh the messages in a way that like, is more re- received better let's say by the, uh, by the traditional events industry and, and maybe um, moving forward, we'll, we'll see a lot more of the, like I know that's our plan at least, is to acquiesce some of the control that we have over our platform to producers and to audiovisual companies to say, here's here's the platform, um, here's how to manipulate it, go do that, you know, mm-hmm. and, and be the middle people because I think that's probably the best um, midway point.
1: Yeah. I mean, any chance you could bring up a Navy company? I get excited, but (laughs) no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I feel like I'm so far from that community now, and I don't even know. Um, Yeah, I I definitely agree, and I I think that, you know, it's interesting that that the, the article reads the dark side of the events industry, but I think that, you know, the more that we can consider it to be one whole community as a whole and how we all benefit each other, I think the better, and, you know, The less that we can see event tech as separate from the events, the more that I think that will that future of the events that we've always been dreaming to have. And the less confusion and the less, you know, animosity towards it, the better. Yeah. So
0: let's get that helmet off of Vader, Um, (laughs) although he did die right after that. But uh, nonetheless, you know, let's make him a little bit less techy and uh you know let's get him on the right side of things uh i don't know if there's a better uh, there's any kind of uh jedi uh, analogy that has the person living it's gonna go kylo ren nope he dies too
1: um so uh (laughs) some version of that that the person Oh, i guess you could do like a finn analogy that he was a stormtrooper. yeah there you go stormtrooper now he's a good guy
0: there you go i love it um (laughs) perfect Be like Finn, I guess, is what we're saying. Um, But uh, yeah, uh, here's hoping that like one of the the aspects of recovery is uh, uh, an industry that um, sort of puts behind some of these um, antiquated ways of looking at things of us versus them. of I don't need to know this of, um, you know, they're out to get me. But in fact, let's let's look at this as saying, hey, we've all been through something together. Uh, we're all stronger together. Let's collaborate. Let's exchange minds. And uh, let's, uh, let's go on to that uh, changed future that's better for everyone.
1: Preach, preach. Um, and shoot us an email. Let us know what you think. We want to hear your opinion on this. Do you think that uh, event professionals moving over to event tech is joining the dark side? Are you more on the opinion of us that uh, it's all one gigantic community? Shoot us an email, eventbrew at helloendless.com. Um, along with whatever question I asked at the beginning that I don't remember I asked as well. So answer those two questions. It's about email. oats, I think. Oh, yeah. Uh, Oatly.
0: Yeah, where do you get those oats at?
1: Get those oats. Bye, bye, bye. <laughs> bye, bye, bye. Well, Nick, it's been a pleasure having a conversation with you, and uh, we obviously missed our two compatriots at the end, but uh, we will. Uh, I'm sure they'll be back soon as well. They're
0: but. out there doing events while we're while in here talking about them.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Nick, it's a pleasure to see you. Um, and yeah. should, we, should, we, should we say goodbye to the audience?
0: Yeah, goodbye to the audience.
1: <laughs> Everyone have a great day. We'll see you next time on Event Brew.
0: Peace. Bye. Thanks again for listening to Event Brew. Be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also, be sure to head to eventbrew.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode. See you next time on Event Brew.